Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Everybody, we are so happy to be back here with you on this marvelous Monday to Blog Talk USA. We hope that you all have been enjoying our hiatus. <laughs> and I'm going to quickly give you over to our host, Dr. Shirley McKellar, because your mascot, Colin, is still awake. <laughs> I hear my grandson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> good evening, good evening. Welcome. It's a pleasure to hear your voice, and I can see that you've been a busy little mom, and so we want to say congratulations to our granddaughter for graduating, Soma Kumulati, uh, well, all A's from, uh, from her high school, and that you are able to have some free time. That's outstanding. Families need to get together and celebrate these amazing children and the great work that they're doing. So I am so excited you you. have to come back and tell us exactly what college we're going to be going to and what our major is going to be. I tell you, everybody is really excited. So I know you got to take care of the baby. And so uh, let me just say that. (laughs) I'll be with you shortly. (laughs) Yes, yes. Go do your thing. Go do that mother's thing. And we have to make sure our children are cared for first before we do anything. And Ms. Rihanna does an amazing job in taking care of her uh, her children. I'm telling you, she's all grown up now. She is now have uh, a daughter that has just made us all proud. I mean, I'm just telling you, things are so many beautiful and great things are happening. But we welcome everybody right back here to Marvelous Monday. Uh, we we are working to get all the team back and everything. So let's start out. Mr. Arthur is going to be a few minutes late in coming in. We hope eventually we will get Pastor Cooper. Uh, back in, but uh, Dr. Carr, are you there? I'm here. Good evening. Yes, greetings. Good evening, Dr. Carr. I tell you, today is going to be a big day because there's so many things for us to talk about, so many things going on, uh, and let's also find out if Dr. Hagney is there. Dr. Hagney, are you there? Not uh, Dr. Yet. Carr, Dr. Not yet. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Rihanna. Dr. Dr. Hagney, usually Dr. Carr kicks off our show and gives us a uh, up-to-date on all of the medical side of the house and everything that's going on uh, in the community. Dr. Hagney started uh, the Northeast uh, Texas uh, uh, Medical Society that is consisting of all of the medical uh, people, African Americans in particular, uh, here in the East Texas area, started that after uh, COVID came about and how we could make sure that uh, the people of color were well taken care of and they got the things that they needed into the community. And so from that, it sprung off of us working closely with the Northeast Texas Health Department, uh, which is run by uh, Mr. Roberts here, the administrator. And so uh, we had a great working relationship and connection with everybody working together to make sure that those who needed to get uh, vaccinated would get vaccinated, those who needed to get masks and, 
and everything that we needed to do to keep our community safe and how that people would be able to go to church and, uh, and make sure that they did not catch that dreadful disease called COVID. So we set up all kinds of programs, and, and my church worked in conjunction with, uh, with our organization because we have an amazing uh, health care ministry at the North Tunnelhaw Street Church of Christ uh, here in Tyler, Texas, where I was born and bred, grew up there all of my life, at least when my husband was not uh, uh, preaching. My husband actually is a retired minister, so he had his own congregation for 18 years. And if I was in country, that's, then I was either at my husband's church or I was at the church where I grew up. But Dr. Hagney led us in that initiative, and he's done an outstanding job in making sure that we keep abreast and keep people educated about what things are looking like now. So one of his primary things that he is now working on is prostate cancer and the importance of men getting their PSAs and keeping up with that. And so whenever he comes in, uh, Hello. Oh, there he is. Well, well, well. Oh, oh, I like that. In, I like that intro. I tell you, wow. It, it, I tell you, it feels great to be back. It's just like coming home. That's exactly correct. Thank you, Dr. Back. Hagney. And Dr. Hagney, have you had the grand opportunity of meeting Dr. Odell Carr? I don't think so. I uh, not okay. yet. I don't think. So. Not yet. Hi. Okay. Well, well, Dr. Odell Carr is one of our regulars. We're ecstatic to have him on Marvelous Monday. And Dr. Carr, if you would just give us, uh, Dr. Hagney, an introduction of yourself. Uh, and Dr. Hagney, we actually was introduced uh, to Dr. Odell Carr by our fraternity brother, uh, Dr. Smith, you know uh, Dr. Lyle Smith that moved mm-hmm. back from Tyler down to uh, back down to his hometown in Arkansas. So, mm-hmm. so we have now have another amazing addition to Marvelous Monday. So, Dr. Carr, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit to uh, to Dr. Hagney, and then we'll ask Dr. Hagney to do the same. Go ahead. Thank Dr. you. Carr. Uh, and so nice to meet you, Dr. Hadney. I think I had an opportunity to hear you speak my first time on the uh, program, and I was immensely uh, impressed with what you shared. And tonight I can see that you have another uh, episode for us that's going to take us to another level of understanding when it comes to prostate cancer. With me being a, a black male age 70, you know, I'm deeply interested in what you'll say about that tonight. Uh, I, I got connected to the show through Dr. Nile Smith, who we are both Arkansans, uh, we are living in the same city, and uh, we uh, collided recently uh, in April of 22 when I published uh, my first written uh, work, uh, Resurrecting the Black Mind, and Dr. Smith has befriended me. I've known him for years and years, and he's given me a lot of guidance on how to get this information into the ethers, and one day we were talking, uh, and he said, uh, you want to be on a like a blog show, and I became frightened instantly, and he said, well, just relax. It's kind of like Joe Madison. So I got here because of Nile Smith. I'm a uh, male age, 70 years, uh, retired from the workforce with a wife and uh, four grown children and six grandchildren, uh, and I spent my time at the New St. Mary Baptist Church in Camden, Arkansas, 
where I've been serving as pastor for 20 years and three months now. Uh, and this book was my first uh, written uh, project. I'm a product of the uh, uh, schools at Eastern Arkansas, Lincoln Junior Senior High School. I'm a product of Philander Smith College. I'm proud to say uh, that in Little Rock, Arkansas, and a very interesting and uh, welcoming and warm uh, seminary experience from an unheard of place in Texarkana, Texas, uh, called the uh, Texarkana Baptist Seminary. So I have a, a master's in theology, PhD in philosophy, they say. Uh, and uh, so my quest now is to do what I can to resurrect the black consciousness of black people. And this program uh, brings me right into uh, where I feel I need to be at this hour. So that's uh, the story about who I am and how I got connected to the program. Wow, excellent, excellent. That, that, that is fantastic. <laughs> there are some programs we're doing that's going to overlap, and I think what you were saying is oh, well, what you were saying is so significant, as I mentioned later on, about something else we've created. But, Doc, how are you doing? I, I, uh, you I know, am great. I, you see, we, 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 we got a winner, don't we? Uh, Dr. Oh, excellent! What Dr. A I tell you, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. As I talk a, later on about, there's a winner that he mentioned, Arkansas. There's a, yeah. there's a lot uh, we're doing towards that way. But I'm going to talk about it when we talk about the uh, Minister Alliance. But uh, I, 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 you were talking about your your outstanding church, Tenaha. What <laughs> can I say about Tenaha? You know. Uh, <clears throat> Without, we were there a couple of weeks ago when, when our, when our right. PSA projects. And right. you're talking about a picture. And I think it was something like 23 black males. Yes, sir. That was there. Well, for back, your, your, your ministry, your healthcare ministry, as you alluded to earlier, is just, what can I say about them? Working with them mm-hmm. and all this in the group there and, and your pastor in that program. But this that group photo of, 20, I think, 23 or 24 black males there on a Saturday morning was yeah. was outstanding. Uh, wow. They took a picture, so we now we need to make sure you get your copy of that picture. But also a, a okay. plate video was ran of the program. But but I would tell they uh, Tenaha is a model that we are trying to, we would love to duplicate in every one of our 14 church hubs. We're going to work right. on that. We'll talk but that was just an honor to be there, your pastor and the presentations. And, and it, it was just, it, it was awesome. And I highly recommend every church to develop some kind of ministerial alliance. But uh, we right. were there because you mentioned PSA. And you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier about, about our task force. Um, our task force, as you alluded to, is uh, I always tell people to take a task force to solve a major problem. That's why we organized the task force with covid uh, we knew we couldn't solve that with a committee. It would take a task force, and as all the groups are part of that, it just was designed around the octopus plant. We're in the process of getting that pet. You know, uh, octopus has multiple legs. If you want to call it to stop them, you have to you have to touch you have to touch all those attack all those legs one time. And that's what we do with our task force. And, and in that, one of there is the black church. What can I say about the black church and these? And, these United States. The success yeah. of our task force going on three years now. You, you alluded to all the um, all the clinics we set up. We set those yeah. clinics up because of the black churches here in Texas, and we uh, because of outreaching them. And we have developed the expertise of reaching the rural communities of color. 
Uh, rural is something that uh, Washington, D.C. and Austin understand uh, urban. Uh, they understand rural slightly. But when you move to rural communities of color, everything falls off the board. They, they just don't know and they, need, they want to know about that area. And that's what we're doing with our task force. PSA is one of the projects we have, prostate cancer. There are about four items that are totally unacceptable. We're using that word now. One of them is prostate cancer. No, it's, no, it's, it's unacceptable that a black male <clears throat> die twice as much as a white male in these United States in our care and health care delivery system. And that's when our major focus is that prostate cancer, and we'll talk about that. And, and when it's centered around uh, early detection, the PSA test, and, and, of course, reaching the black male, what's so unique about this, we have partnered with National Group Zero Cancer Group, out of Washington, D.C., and, of course, the Black Church Network uh, in developing a, uh, a support group. And that's Zero Cancer Group is doing out of uh, Washington, D.C. with us. But they, well, what <laughs> they were doing things in Atlanta, Florida, and Northeast, South Carolina. I said, what about East Texas? What about rural? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll convince them there. You need to look at rural components almost of everything, and they are yeah. so excited about partnering over in Texas because we represent rural communities of color, and we function just in northeast Texas, and so and so they're supporting us with a support program for the male. And what's interesting about that, they recognize early on support groups need more because of the questions associated around cancer and prostate and black males and white family. There's a, there's a need for a deeper answer. Uh, to that, and they wanted to partner with a graduate school of uh, social work. And we right. are blessed at Stephen F. Austin, uh, Dr. Haven, uh, there is going to partner with us with his master's degree and PhD program in social work along with us to help train our our uh, support group. So that's what we are with the project. I'm going to mention the other ones that we are, we also addressing. The infant, but we'll talk about that, but we want to focus on prostate. And now, my, my question tonight is that if, if a PSA could be done free, it would help us reach the audience we need to reach because cost is one of those factors. And I was told there was a buildup in Washington, D.C., I think initially it was by uh, maybe Bobby Rush, uh, I think Illinois was putting in a bill called Free Park Prostate. We need to find out what the status of that bill, where is it? So that would really help our community enormously if we could say that PSA test would be free. Right. Well, Dr. Well, that's, that's Hadley, where I am. Uh, you, wonderful. And you mentioned, uh, let's see, I think you, did you mention uh, Stephen F. Austin? Did you attend oh, Stephen yeah. F. Austin University or you went to Prairie View? No, I went, oh, I went to Texas Southern. Glad you mentioned HBC. That's right. I was I'm Texas sorry, Southern. Texas Southern. Yeah, well, you know, and you know, and I'm sure that Dr. Carr may not know this, but that uh, Stephen F. Austin University is now under the leadership and auspices of the University of Texas system. And and the reason why I mention that is because I know that our University of Texas system here is working toward getting more, more black physicians and more physicians who can help to handle uh, the issues that people of color deal with, because as, as you probably, both of you probably know, and I know that you would, Dr. Hagney, that uh, 
that people of color, black people in particular, know better about how to work and handle issues from the black community medically and mm-hmm. otherwise. So a lot mm-hmm. of people are asking and requesting that that there are black physicians to help them with certain uh, issues. And you, mm-hmm. I believe that morning when you did your your prostate uh, group there at my church, I believe it was a black physician or a, a physician of color that guided and directed that program. Am I correct? Well, no, he I wasn't. I thought he was, was, but he was not. Yeah, but that's that not. issue about he was not. But thank, uh, thank you, T. He for was Indian, you, right? Yes, but he was yes. Indian? he was an so excellent speaker. Yeah, right, right. Go exactly. They brought him. He think he came over from Miami. He did a fantastic job. All this right. man will tell right. you about that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, when you I, I knew that he was a man of color. Oh, he was me. Yeah, he was yeah, very, he was very uh, informative. Brilliant. At home, right. and I think he's in the picture. You mentioned uh, there is something else we had documented. There is a textbook. I'm, I'm telling everybody, if you're going to function in in Northeast Texas, uh, particularly, is you must read the book Plantation Life in Texas. Uh, if you public, if you, if you teach it in public school, graduate school, medical school, nursing school, whatever, I think I have most of the people you teach recognize. Um, person, right. it it talks uh, is written by a young lady who talks about the history, plantation history in Northeast Texas. Why that's so critical is because. Approaching a community, rural community, you have to understand the background of individual that's from the yeah. rural. And so everybody's yeah. excited about that book. So the book is Plantation Life in Texas. It, 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 everybody's okay. they're purchasing it, they're utilizing it. So it's a, it's a dynamic book. Right. So, Dr. Carr, uh, Dr. Hagney is a trained uh, a pharmacist, and he uh, holds, obviously, a doctorate degree in pharmacology. So, uh, as you mentioned, he uh, is a graduate of TSU, Texas Southern University, and uh, I mean, he is diehard in making sure that that uh, the right healthcare information is disseminated out uh, to uh, to our communities uh, throughout East Texas. Now, he mentioned a book, so I want Dr. Carr, I want you to share with Dr. Hackney your book. Uh, and the title of your book and a little bit about uh, what your book is about. And if you have any questions that you want to ask uh, Dr. Hagney in regards to uh, prostate uh, education, I call it prostate education and awareness, and we want it before it ever even gets close to uh, the word called cancer. Go ahead, Dr. Uh, Carr. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things I'd like to uh, project here, Dr. Hagney. Uh, I was thinking about what you were saying about the book uh, Plantation Life, and I wanted to know uh, who the author is of that book so that I can Google that and get it to come in my way to begin with. Oh, yes, I get it. Her name is Elizabeth Silverthorne. I'll get that information to you. The book is okay. available at uh, a price about $12. It's Elizabeth Silverthorne, Plantation Life in Texas. All right. Uh, you can go uh, just put that in. It comes up. It's Elizabeth Silverthorne. And that's that yeah. she's an author. Is, a, is um, she go into detail? Uh, tell you why that's so important in East Texas is because East Texas, East Texas was a basic plantation state. If you redraw the plantation lines in Northeast Texas, right in East Texas right now, you will find mm-hmm. a majority of the black population are actually still on the plantations. 
and why why that's important. <laughs> so if you are, you you are a medical student, if you are a pharmacy student, whatever, you gonna come, you gonna visit a patient in East Texas. You got to rec- you got to recognize he or she still have links to their grandparents while they were treated in our healthcare system down through the years. So therefore, when you, you understand how and they relate to their experience in healthcare in the plantation is not much different what they're experiencing now. There are some similarities now, late, late, and all that. So they can relate to that. So you can understand why what they respond, why they respond in that way. Uh, because uh, in that book, go in specific details about the lives on the plantations and what occurred there. Along that area, there is an area we go on, we're servicing. We call it a historical health fair. We were going to we were identifying the first black physicians, pharmacists, or whatever in East Texas, which surface was a black midwife. Oh. Now that is it is going to wind. I'm, I'm just going to stop at that point, but I'm going to let you talk about your book, and I'll tell you about the black yeah, midwife. The, du- the, doul- the doulas are coming back to uh, Doctor uh, Carr, uh, and we, that's that's their technical name of uh, the doulas. They're the the black females and the ones and who okay. are delivering the babies now, uh, and uh, women are going back to perhaps having their babies in a different type of setting. They want that home type setting where sometimes uh, the family members are included to include the children. Sometimes that that already have children in the family, uh, it's become a real family thing. But my daughter. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. McKellar uh, is also very and heavily involved in uh, maternal health care simply because we have lost so many women who have, black women in particular, who have experienced so many issues uh, in maternal health. And so, uh, so thank you for bringing that out, uh, uh, Dr. Hagney. And then, Dr. Carr, I'll give it back to you so you can ask your questions and, and con- continue on. But I wanted just to give you another little background of who Dr. Hagney is. Go ahead. Most assuredly, most assuredly, uh, Dr. Hagney's words were so valuable, again, because of the geography of my life at this point in time, because I live in, and my church uh, that I've been serving for 20 years now is in a rural community. And as you sure. were speaking about that, this, this piece of the puzzle, I was really, really uh emboldened to think very deep about this and now i think as you're suggesting we need to get information into our communities because it seems like as a people we're going back to we're resurrecting our culture this because babies were first born as i understand at the black home with the use of the midwife now it seems that that curve is being brought about again now my book is written really to coincide with the book that Dr. Hagner just introduced. Uh, That's why I wanted you to talk to about the plantation life in in, in Texas. Well, my book is is entitled Resurrecting the Black Mind. I find Mm -hmm. that over the last 30 years in ministry, we don't have too much trouble having people respond to the invitation to discipleship and to accept Christ as Savior. We don't have much trouble with that. But what I've discovered along the way is that the issue is in the black consciousness about God, the black consciousness of who God is, who first depicted God in any form, who first wrote about him, who who was first on earth. And so my book is written to enlighten 
black people everywhere, I believe, uh, to think more about what John Henry Clark said. He said that history mm-hmm. is a clock that tells of people the political and cultural time of day. History is a compass, he says, that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. It tells us where we've been, what we've been, what we've done, where we are, where we still must go, and where we still, what we still must be. And the thing that really uh, fueled my energy to write this book was his last statement in that series of talks. He said that the relationship of a people to their history is the same as the relationship between a mother and her child. I heard that yeah. about 12 years ago. I started mm-hmm. reading, studying, researching, and April 27, I believe, 2022, okay. this book uh, was published through the West Bow Publishing Company there in Indiana, and uh, it is a compilation of what we're discussing right now. As a matter of fact, this yeah. discussion will bleed over into my next book that I'm working on presently, An Urgent Agenda, Prostate Cancer for an Emerging New World. So we, we have, I think, all things in common in this group, and I'm so happy to be associated with the personalities here because we're doing an iron sharpening iron exercise. That's it. So that's, that's it. about the, what I've done with regards to my writing work. And, again, I'm working on a second project now. Hope I don't take as long as I did on book number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you got it down now, so you can move right on through. But I, I'm I'm glad you brought up uh, uh, John Henry Clark because here's here's what I say, uh, Dr. Carr and, and and Dr. Hagney knows this, that that our ancestors, our ancestors did more, so much more, with so much less, and we do so much less, and we have so much more. John Most Henry sure Clark, is. which is an African-American historian, I mean, professor. Mm-hmm. That, uh, my, I share this with you, gentlemen. One thing that my father used to say to us when we were growing up, and that is he would say, learn how to do more than one thing. And so mm-hmm. our ancestors had that down. They learned how to do more than one thing. Isn't mm-hmm. that beautiful? Yeah. And and, awesome. some, and sometimes we can't get us to settle down to do just one little thing, mm-hmm. just one thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and Dr. Hagney, I, and I'm going to give it back to you in just a second, uh, Dr. Carr. But this coming Saturday, we will be honoring Dr. Edward Robinson, who is our minister at our church. Five years of service that we've had with him. He he is a professor of history, a renowned oh. author. He's written seven books, seven books. You oh, not wow. even know that, Dr. Dr. Hagnick. He's written mm-hmm. seven mm-hmm. books. Uh, he's a professor at Texas College, associate professor at Texas College. And then, of course, uh, he's the minister of our church. But he is, so, and he is the chaplain of the Tyler Police Department. And so I'm going to give him keys to the city on this coming Saturday. Because he's done amazing, amazing, that amazing. work. <laughs> That's amazing. That, that is, and that Wait. is, trust me, that is just a snippet of all the wow. work that he's, he's He's been a professor at Abilene Christian University. He was a professor at uh, at uh, Southwestern Christian College. That's where my husband graduated from in his degree in theology. And he has 
three master's degree and then wow. his doctorate. I mean, this guy mm, is awesome. no joke. No That's joke. It. And he you know, I met with him detail. Yeah, I met with him. Did you read? I met with him all the yeah. I, I met with him all the day. I, maybe he mentioned I can't we talked about so much. So, many so what things. time is it? Yes. What what time is it? What time it, is it, it there? It's at it's at six o'clock this Saturday in our uh, in our uh, Renaissance, uh, Doctor Doctor Carr. We have a massive Renaissance, and we also have a uh, we have a resort. We have twenty seven acres of land on the lake here in Palestine that we built. Uh, we built a resort out there where people can come and and have events and. And the men are always out there uh, fishing and getting together and, and making sure that the health care that they need, that they're making sure that these our young boys, they're educating and teaching and training these young boys uh, to become yes. great leaders in the church as well. But doc, Dr. Dr. Carr, let me tell you, Dr. Edward Robinson is somebody to know. And I, I'm, honored. I, I'm so I, I'm so pleased. I'm actually the only female on the program that's going to be speaking this Saturday. So we wow. it's going to be a semi semi formal event, and and our colors of uh, navy blue and silver and and uh, white and and powder blue. I mean, it's going to be first class. That's that's, that's awesome. That's it's, awesome. It's going to be oh. amazing. But go ahead, go ahead. I'll give it back, but to Dr. You. Carr. What he mentioned about his book, um, that's 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 outstanding. When you mentioned yeah. Saturday, there's there's a need where we actually launching this Saturday is what we call Southern Ministerial Alliance. And yeah. the purpose of that alliance is to uh uh help um uh, help black churches recognize their role in the role in the community. Uh, we are going to have four speakers there, two from University of Texas. Uh, there, basically, it is to sh- show pastors the role that they can get involved in our community. These are projects that we are currently involved with our task force. Uh, it's going to be down in Alto, Texas, which is a real, little rural town. Oh, yeah. Oh, quite rural. familiar. So quite I'm, familiar. I need to send you a flyer, Doc. I need to send you a flyer. With the, we just yes, started sending the flyers out today. It's going to be started. But tell, tell you about why the Ministerial Alliance, this is back to Arkansas. We actually, this is getting you know, the success of our church hubs. We have 14 of those hubs. But what we're doing, we we you know, invitation to all the churches in Texas, and it's going to be. And we why we call it Southern Ministerial Alliance instead of still Texas, because we're going to move across the four southern states from Texas, okay. Louisiana, okay. Arkansas, Mississippi, and Alabama. Absolutely. And that, and what it's going to do is. Uh, is showing out, see what's happening. The programs that are coming to us, that uh, like the University of Texas program, project programs, what has happened? Washington, almost Washington D.C. and other groups recognize reach the black community. The trust in America is not in Washington D.C., not in the political parties, not in the monies, the names, fame, and name. The trust is in the black church and the black pastor. We confirm and documented that with the COVID program and what is happening now. Doc, like I mentioned it to you. There are three areas from University of Texas that's partnering with us. There are the opioid program, the prostate, and also the beat breast program. Uh, they want us to lead through our through our churches to reach the black community because they all are reporting they have a problem reaching the black community. And the state mental health department, they're coming to us to help them uh, roll in the mental health issue 
they don't know the mental health issue in Northeast Texas. They want to go through our church hub, identical, same way like at your church, rolling out. And, and of course, that's what that's why we're doing this. And we'll, as we reach across the four four state area, the same problem exists in Louisiana, Alabama, all those areas. So we can we can use those same programs. But I'll, back to your book, I, I need to utilize your book throughout throughout a Southern Ministerial Alliance, like we're using the other book through the healthcare component because you're talking about the basis where we got started the role of like church re-educating the importance of God in our lives and that's what we had to go back to so we can use your book part of the curriculum uh, development for the churches across these four states we're already getting called yes. I'm glad you mentioned Arkansas because there are some people calling us from Arkansas but really Arkansas the reason why I meet with Rob, Pastor Robinson we need to get the HBCUs back in everything we're yeah. doing. It, it wasn't yeah. by accident that God placed the HBCUs where he placed them. But what the system is trying to do is not include, well, not include them as much as they should. And that was the reason why I was meeting with Pastor Robinson of the Texas College, Jarvis, and Waller right here in East Texas. We need to right. get them involved with what we're doing because I need to mention to you, the University of Texas want to sign an agreement with us, the whole graduate program. Uh, to affiliate with us, with our program. That's the graduate school of public health, the medical school, the, and the, the college of pharmacy. But see, back to Arkansas, we want to do that with the same thing in Arkansas. The University of Arkansas, we want an affiliation as we move from each state with the graduate school programs. And um, okay. in Louisiana, because see, once we get the affiliation agreement here with the University of Texas and Texas A&M, and, and Stephen F. Austin is involved with that, There'll be no problem to take that same affiliation to Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Alabama. You get all the universities agree uh, with with affiliation with our task force. Right. Well, Dr. Hatt, we need to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I wanted to jump in uh, and and speak on behalf of what you just said. Uh, This past Sunday, uh, I was spoke at St. Mary's Baptist Church where they are celebrating their 130th year. And what I said to uh, them is that I remember, even the, even this was even before I was born, obviously, but, uh, but Reuben Wright, who started St. Mary's Baptist Church, and then my grandfather uh, worked closely and hand-in-hand with each other. We already know that everything happened in our black churches, in our black community, because that's what we had. That's where we turned to, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I talked about the fact that uh, that it's not a surprise that we're finally getting it and understanding and, and going back to the black church where yes. everything yes. started right there, right? right? And Absolutely. so my grandfather started the Church of the Living God there on Palace Street, but it was on Cochrane at that time, and then where Reuben Wright uh, started the St. Mary's Baptist Church 130 years ago. So we're finally catching on. It took us a minute for this generation to recognize and realize that we're stronger when we're back in our churches. And even politically, the NAACP started out in the black churches and spread out uh, throughout our communities. And that's the only thing that I wanted to say is that we have to go back to the beginning, right? Go back to the roots because Mm -hmm. we knew 
that that's how things happen. They they were able to make things happen in that community. So the history is there. We just need to get back yes. to it. But it's go there. ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Carr. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Hadden, if I may, uh, I'm going to piggyback on what you all said about the, the black church. Uh, I was listening to Joe Madison talking to uh, in studio with Eugene Robinson, the 43-year black journalist, and they were talking about this mm-hmm. very issue, about what the, the Learns Act in Arkansas is projecting, what's happening in Florida and Texas and so forth. And as they were talking back and forth, Madison said to Eugene Robinson, he said, well, why don't the, the pastors just, you know, get the children and bring them to the churches on Saturday morning and teach them there and call it something like freedom school? And from what he said, I went <laughs> immediately to secure a domain to give myself the authority to call what we're doing right now tonight. I can, I can, I can signify this as a part of the Arkansas Freedom School. So this wow. is this tonight is the night I think because all the demands are coming together, the avenues are coming together, and I just need to Dr. Hedden to just hang on for the ride and learn everything that <laughs> I can. So I want I want to I want to step into the shadows and let the folks with substance do some talking, and then I can just hang on for the ride. This is marvelous. It really and truly is. Right. It's a new experience right. well, for me, uh, and I I can see where this thing is going to go uh, with right. the leadership in place that we have well after all it is marvelous monday but it's marvelous every day (laughs) every (laughs) single day when we when we do the work that we're sent here to do every single one of the days are marvelous but we just happen to talk about it on marvelous monday (laughs) freedom school freedom school well we you know something we're going to have to work on getting uh eugene robinson on our thursday Show where we yes, do television yes, yes. and radio Absolutely. on Thursday midday. That that would that mm-hmm. would be awesome. So that he can disseminate some of that information out here in East Texas, and and it's been our our plea, and all across America, everywhere we go, is don't forget East Texas. That's why we brought that Prayer View Juvenile Justice Program. And Dr. Hagney, uh, you missed the treat we brought in uh, the. Uh, representative from the Annie E. Casey Foundation. I don't know if you mm. gentlemen have heard of that oh, foundation yes. or not. Yes. They're funding they're funding our entire Dr. Hagney is on that board. They're funding our entire project. It was fifteen of us on on Friday night that spent time with her, listening to her uh, members dialoguing on what they see here in East Texas with our children mm-hmm. in the juvenile justice program mm-hmm. and the center and trying to keep these children on the right side of the law, not in a well, orange jumpsuit, but as attorneys and pro officers and and uh, and those kinds of criminal justice majors. That's our goal in that prayer yes. view program is to keep That's those excellent. children on the right side of the law. It was amazing. Exactly. It was outstanding. Excellent. The lady excellent. brought it. She she had us fired up and ready to go, as, Dr., as right. President That's Obama right. would say. But go right ahead, yeah. uh, <laughs> We have about another another few minutes, and then we're going to jump over to some of the other subjects. Uh, but this has been so inspiring just to sit and listen to you gentlemen talk. Go right ahead. Dr. Hagney? 
I yield to you. No, I just said I apologize for missing that I was involved. I think we were designing this other program. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was talking to someone else about the case group the other day. Uh basically developing a relationship with the foundations and and also the group, the the you know, there are in, in that discussion, of course, the foundation, the uh, United States, there are six billion dollars in grant funds that's that's posted every year, six billion dollars. And we were down at Stephen L. Falls, and when you look at those funds that were designed for a basically black group of black areas, a lot of those funds are not those grants because they're deadline grants and all those are not fulfilled. So a lot of that money. Wind right. up all into other areas. So that discussion mm-hmm. and that brings a point. One of the areas we're going to develop in our task force, we're going to call it a an, a black data research uh, grant center. Let me explain why that center is going to be that way. Because our data is inaccurate in America. Most yes, of the data when it's reported doesn't include black. Well, everybody agree with that. So, but we as blacks need to generate and control our own data. So what we're going to do in our task force, we're going to create a black data uh, research grant center. Uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be based in Jacksonville, Texas. It's going to be based in rural areas. But in that, we're going to track our own data. There are groups. All the projects we have, we're going to track the data out of that. We're going to control the data. The other component, the research component, we need to start designing our own surveys. There's a young lady down at University of Alabama talking to her about coming on, coming on board uh, to head up this whole research center because she had a wealth of experience in, at CDC in Alabama and other places writing grants and surveys. And the other part is that grant component. In that same unit, we will develop the expertise of writing grants, not only writing grants but developing relationships with foundations like the Casey Foundation, from the government, we're not going to, all these billions of dollars leaving our community because that was another reason why I was meeting with Pastor Robson the other day. There were three million dollar grant given to three HBCUs, a million dollar piece, if they were doing if they were doing work in diversity. And so, and, and so, see, okay. and those grant that three that three million dollars was lost because uh, there was no HBCU. See, the government recognized what we said earlier: the black church, the black community. They want to put that money. They want to bring us on board in those areas. So that whole grant right, they're going to develop expertise of developing relationships with the foundations and also developing relationships with the federal government, how to write programs. And we're going to get reviewers in that. Right. Let me, can I jump in for just a second, uh, Dr. Agnes? See, that's why it's Mm -hmm. so important for us to support. Even I never set foot into a, a HBCU as far as education is concerned, but I'm diehard when it comes to working with with uh, Prairie View, with working mm-hmm. with uh, Texas College, with working with Southwestern Christian College. Now the Anne E. Casey Foundation has they're worth probably about 160, 170 million dollars, and that's mm-hmm. because that Casey family came together and put money in there. I remember. When uh, Dr. Carolyn Harvey, Ms. Ebby Starling, and myself, you mentioned uh, breast cancer early on. We recognize that women, women of color in particular, in East Texas were keeping to themselves when they had issues that was going on with their breasts and their breast health, right? And so they were not getting their mammograms. 
They were not letting people know that they had drainage from their breast. They did, mm-hmm. they kept that in the closet, so to speak, because you know, Dr. Hagney, and you mm-hmm. as well, Dr. Carr, is that there is a myth in the African-American community about having cancer. Yeah. And so there Absolutely. was a black, a black nurse, a black nurse, who was married to a Caucasian gentleman that, uh, that died of breast cancer. And so he earmarked $15 million in, in the name of his wife. And he wanted all over Texas, because they were Texans, all over Texas to get that money to do research and awareness in breast cancer. So $5 million went mm-hmm. to Houston, Texas. $5 million went to Dallas-Fort Worth area. And $5 million came to East Texas. Dr. Harlan, Miss mm-hmm. Abby Sterling, and myself wrote for that grant. But here's, here's what I want to mention. When we wrote for that grant and we were awarded that $5 million, it didn't come to We did it under the National Black Leadership Initiative on Cancer. But it wasn't mm-hmm. earmarked and placed into our account. It actually went through the University of Texas. We were paid mm-hmm. directly. We became adjunct professors for the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, the point I'm making is that I found it to be very interesting that these three black females, these three black clinicians, myself, Dr. Dr. Uh, Harvey, and Ms. Ebby mm-hmm. Starlin, who is also a clinician, that we didn't have control of that in our hands, in our accounts. But yep. I, I, yep. the point I'm making is that we have the skills and the knowledge and the ability to con- right. control and disseminate funds out. But the main thing, mm-hmm. we, 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 we did not let that bother us. The main thing mm-hmm. that we wanted was to educate black women, to, to mm-hmm. make them aware that you need to have your mammogram, you need to have your uh, breast exams every single month. We mm-hmm. trained and taught mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. how to check themselves each month and then have mm-hmm. the annual physical by a trained clinician at least mm-hmm. once a year. But mm-hmm. we were able to save a lot of lives because of mm-hmm. that grant. Mm-hmm. So there's a money mm-hmm. there. We just need to yep. make sure that. And this is the point that I was really trying to make, Dr. Carr and, and, and Dr. Hagney, is that we have to support our HBCU so that they can have a yep. research system set up in the campuses like the other exactly. schools, the University of Texas system and, and all the other big Absolutely. colleges across this nation, right? They have a research division. Our HBCUs, not the ones locally here in East Texas, we don't have a, even though now we have, we have Jarvis Christian College, who is now Jarvis Christian University. It's a four-year school. But mm-hmm. how can they get the money if they don't have a research department is all I'm saying. That's right. That is true. That is true. We, still, we, got, true. we got a big job that we got to work on. But go ahead, That's Jenny. true. Thanks. Thanks. Dr. Hagen, oh, yeah. I want to ask a question uh, with regards to uh, women's breast health. As a pastor in a congregational setting, uh, how would you recommend, you know, in fireside, fireside chat uh, ways or in uh, just teaching without using a pulpit on a Sunday morning, how do we talk, how do we communicate as a black male minister to women in our congregations who need to adhere to what's been said here the last two or three minutes or so? 
How do we go about yeah. that? Yeah. 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 Tell them about your ministerial group. How you? You need to. You need to ask the female that question. You asking the wrong person. Okay. But you know what I was going to tell him. Not that he doesn't know the answer. He knows the answer. Right. You know what I was going to tell him. What, what I was going to tell him, what we, what we'll find out, that God has <laughs> blessed our, and Pastor, God has blessed all our black church congregation with expertise. There is a nurse that that's in your, beautiful. that's in your, that's in your congregation. In your church. Maybe somewhere. somebody else, somewhere. God, in every church, I'm a, there are, and, 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 and let me ask them this: What do you have? I have a wife, two. Car. I have two. Do you have a wife? Do you have a wife? Yes. Of course. I, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, you, you, you start right there. I mean, okay. here, here's what I, there's always work for the, the woman is the helpmate, right? That's what God yes, did. He put her, he put her there. There's always work for women in the church. Don't ever forget. And so that I guarantee you those two nurses that you have in your church, they would love to. it if you gave them the task of starting your, your ministry, your, your medical society, and that's what Dr. Hagney does, going everywhere to establish those to make sure that every church, you heard him say a few minutes ago, every church needs to have a health ministry to help to keep your your parishioners healthy. Go ahead, Dr. Hagney. See what's going to that, the the, uh, the Southern Ministerial Alliance, that's why it's going to move from Texas all the way over to Alabama. And in in the uh, discussion on Saturday, that's why we had a group Speaking from University of Texas, beat breast. The young lady, David, she heads that up and a couple of other black women. They're coming there to show the pastors uh, what, their, what their needs are. They want to partner with us in getting flyers out to the black church, and they want to talk about pinning ceremonies inside the black church. Uh, and yeah. So that same thing. And so that breast, breast screening, um, pinning, see, but we, you coordinate it through the church. You start with the pastor, start with the, the two nurses, the two nurses you have there, have mm-hmm. them. They don't have the expertise in healthcare. They can call Dr. Uh, Dr. McKellar, other groups. We can get them in. That's what we're going to do with this, with this alliance. We're going to get and, it. And let me, can I jump touch. in one more time? I'm sorry to keep going in. Uh, uh, Dr. Carr, that pinning ceremony that, that Dr. Hagney is talking about, it was uh, mm-hmm. the three clinicians that I just named out to you, Dr. Carolyn Harvey, mm-hmm. Ms. Abby Starling and myself, we started mm-hmm. that. Everything that the University of Texas system is doing, as a matter yep. of fact, let me tell you what else we did. We, we saw that it was so important for us to include the men. We went to Pastor Dilworth of the North Star Baptist Church. He's, he's going on now. And we got mm-hmm. Clarence, Mr. Clarence Shackleford to lead us with the prostate cancer issues because you got to have mm-hmm. the right people doing because you talk, if you're talking about my breast you guys you guys have breasts but you don't have very much <laughs> you don't have very much so you talking about breast cancer you need to talk to the women and so okay. then we set, then what we did also we looked at texas college our hbcu here we were looking for an office in the community even though they established us an office at university of texas health science center out there on 271 we had a big, beautiful office. They put us in a, gave us a complete trailer. Everything was done right there. But what we said is, and this, keep this in mind, it was back in the 80s. And we said, we need to take our health care to the community. 
we didn't want those people to have to travel all the way out to uh, mm-hmm. UT Health on 271. Mm-hmm. So we went to the president at Texas College, and we said, if you give us an office space here, we want to set up a clinic. You all don't have any nurse clinicians who can oversee your students' health. We will trade out and oversee your students' health if you give us a place to set up our clinic at Texas College. That clinic is still at Texas College to this day. So I commend Abby Starlin and Dr. Carolyn Harvey and I, myself for for leading this pathway in the, the uh, late 80s, 19, in the 90s, of getting this off the ground and running, and it mm-hmm. still exists to this day. So mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. women in your church? That's where you start with helping to put together a uh, health care alliance in your country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, this, this there's needs someone to go across the South. Yes, this needs to go across the there's South. There's someone yes. you, at your yes. university. You made you made your university. Is it, is it in Pine Bluff? Your University of Arkansas group. They call All it right. as uh, what we're going to follow up later on with a similar agreement. We're working with the University of Texas and A&M and CNL Austin. Do yes, me a yes. favor. Identify the top medical person at your university, University of Arkansas, at the medical unit where it's located, because there, there's a program that they want to look at with Morehouse. There's a speaker from Morehouse giving a presentation in oncology. I'm going to send that to you with a, with a, with a webinar. And I was yes, so they want to connect with us. I'm going to send that to you. But your yes, medical unit me. there, and, and also, so you have a specific need at your church. That's the success we've had. That's what they're mm-hmm. looking how to reach into the black community. You know, you tell them through the black church, we'll send you some information what we're doing. That w- okay. that way you can connect with the University of Arkansas group up there. Because if there's mm-hmm. someone at that university have a breast grant, they may even have a breast project to reach out to because of the major, it's a national issue with black, black to get mammograms. They're trying to drive it down to age 40. But the problem is having getting younger black men or women to get a mammogram. In this grant, University of Texas, where they have a grant that's paying for the mammogram. See, if, if you're a black female, and what's the, wow. what is the, right. what's the price of a mammogram, uh, someone don't have, not having the insurance? You know, that, that's an excellent question because guess what? That's we have great. never yeah. turned, we've never turned anybody away because it, even though our money was earmarked to black women, but we were mm-hmm. able to go through the Texas Health Department, and I keep telling people, and then we're going to switch over. I think Mr. Arthur's on now, and we're going to switch. Okay. With, we're going to come back to this subject. But, oh, yes, but definitely. The, 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 I tell people all the time, the health, that's why we have a county health department for people who don't have insurance. And then there's no real reason not to have health insurance these days now because I believe there was somebody called President Obama that, uh, that started the affordable health care. And trust me, it is very affordable. And so if you can't, even if you can't afford anything, there's no reason not to have health care because in this country you can get health care. So with that being said, gentlemen, uh, this has been an amazing discussion just to sit and listen to you guys talk about how we can move forward to make sure that our people are well cared for economically and health and otherwise. So if you don't mind, 
We're going to switch gears. We, we actually spent an hour working that thing <laughs> over. You guys did outstanding. Oh, Miss Rihanna is there, and then Mr. Arthur is there. So we're going to bring them in and let them join in with the conversation. Mr. Arthur, you there? Yeah, how's everybody doing? Hey there, how are you tonight? Can you see? And then Miss Rihanna is there. Miss Rihanna, are you there? I'm here. You, oh, you gentlemen are good just good always, always a wealth of information. I, I learned <laughs> every time. I learned so much uh, from you guys, and I really appreciate it because, believe it or not, even I'm able to disseminate this information <laughs> randomly. <laughs> it's come in quite handy, so <laughs> it's a way to go. Yeah, Absolutely. Like it was great. Go ahead, Mr. Arthur. Back a question. Doc, Doc. Yes. Which doc? Hey, which doc? Hey, you, you got three. You got three on this phone. So you got to you got to call out the name, sir. No, that's right. That's right. The, the hat man. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Hey, Great but hearing from you. Uh, mammogram. Now, do they call mammogram mammogram because it's a lady? Ma'am, a gram. That, no, that no, is. Ma'am, ma'am, now, why do you keep asking me? Let me educate. Let me educate. Let me educate him. Mammo means that's that's breast tissue, sir. So that's why they oh, call okay. it a mammogram. Uh, see, oh, okay. see. Let, let me, can I share with you guys? See, uh, Mr. Arthur is my fraternity brother, right? So, so the reason why he said Doc is because the only person that he considers on this uh, network is Dr. Hagney. <laughs> now we, now we have Dr. Carr, but Shirley McKellar didn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It is all good. Dr. Hagney was even an interesting even choice though, for that question anyway. Yeah. Well, even though I sat in the classroom for 15 years, but mine doesn't matter. Right. It was only Dr. Uh, Hagney. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> So now you got to say Dr. Carr or Dr. Hagney or Dr. C or Dr. H, one of the two. <laughs> so we'll know which I'm one you're talking about. I'm going to call y'all Mrs. and Mrs. There's too many of y'all. No, 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 no. We're, we're in a professional setting, so therefore you're going to call them Dr. H or Dr. C or Dr. Hagney or Dr. Carr. Because they earn that piece of paper. <laughs> you can call, uh, you can call them that at wherever else you want, but on this sure. show, they're against their Sure, Tonight is the Go ahead. What was that, Pat? I see y'all can still just call me Senna. Oh, my goodness. Well, we have a great lineup tonight, guys. And we I, I tell you what, I, I was so troubled by by the uh, Titanic uh, episode, uh, so I do want to talk a little bit about that uh, and for the next few minutes and anything else that we can get in within this next hour. But but I I, I said to uh, one of my siblings, I said, so if the Titanic sunk back then, why would I want to go down there where I know it sunk? and the people did not survive. And so, Ms. Rihanna, can you just give us a little bit of briefing on on a little bit of information that you researched and, and found, and then we can dialogue a little bit. Now, I believe in uh, explorations. I, I mean, they're, they're fine. I don't want to go to any of them. But if there's, a, there's someone who's interested in doing that kind of work, then by all means, do that kind of work. But, mm-hmm. but I, was, I was so sad when those five people in particular 
especially that young man, that young son uh, that didn't get a chance to live his life uh, to its fullest, but I guess he lived as long as he was supposed to because even at birth and before, we knew God had a plan for us, right? So we know when we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. But, but Miss Rihanna, if you, can bring, if you can bring us up to date on some of the research that you found, and then we'll dialogue from there. Well, um, I'll start off by saying um, that any any death is just, as we know, especially something like this, is just tragic. And as we all know, it, we were completely inundated. This was all over the news for days. The Ocean Gate um, submersible um, that was really an experimental craft that was absolutely not ready for prime time. It was not certified. It was, um, the inside of it was about the size of a minivan. You couldn't, I mean, it was all you could do to just sit up straight. And so it was cramped conditions, a two hour voyage to descend uh, the 12,000 plus feet to the Titanic wreckage. And uh, there were five on board, and these people are among the very richest in the world. It was a quarter million dollars to get a seat. Uh, The 19-year-old was the son of a Pakistani uh, multi-billionaire, and he didn't even want to go. His father asked him to go with him as a Father's Day gift, so he reluctantly went on this voyage. Right. And um, so it was, in hindsight, really kind of a death wish mission <laughs> to go yeah, down there. Yeah. Those yeah. who had been on, have, two of them have spoken out and said that there, there's no way they would ever go back on that thing. It was absolutely not ready for prime time. And, uh, of course, they lost contact with their mothership at about an hour and 45 minutes in and our coast guard actually with some of our um our really sensitive microphone equipment that we have um that they won't tell us much about because it's it's not it wasn't down there for to pick up this sort of thing it's down there for other reasons national security um it actually heard the implosion uh, this catastrophic explosive event at a right around the time that the submersible lost contact and so we we know from all expert opinions that it's most likely that all five died instantly at that point but we also know there was at least some period of time not very long but uh, enough uh, where they knew that they were in serious trouble and this was going to be a catastrophic situation. So we pray for their families. We pray for their souls. It's a tragic event. But something that I couldn't stop thinking about, and I'm sure everybody on this line is with me on this, all we have been hearing about in little blurbs, and if you really look for it, for the past at least 15 years, are these huge increases of maritime disasters involving migrants due to the various crises going on. Uh, It's called the European migrant crisis. 
uh, and these are maritime disasters, catastrophic disasters, massive losses of life occurring on the Mediterranean Sea um, that started as um, a result of things like the Arab Spring protests from 2010 to 2012, the Syrian Civil War that's been going on since 2011, the second Libyan Civil War, uh, 2014 to 2020, which there are still tons of Libyan people using desperate measures to cross the Mediterranean Sea to get out of Libya uh, so that they don't become enslaved, uh, you know, get kidnapped and shipped off to other countries to have terrible fates. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a disaster and it's sparking all of these maritime disasters. We have them almost weekly. If you just Google list of migrant maritime mass, uh, uh, mass casualty events and disasters, the list is devastatingly long. And these are events where hundreds and hundreds of people, desperate people crammed on to vessels, are just lost at sea, um, right. stuck at sea, waiting to be rescued, never found, ever. And we do not get anywhere near the kind of coverage on any of these uh, as we got on this these okay. five, and again, I do not mean this in a nasty way at these people, but these five billionaires who paid a pretty penny to be mm-hmm. on this ship where they had to sign at least seven or eight times in the paperwork before leaving, specifically mm-hmm. that they knew that this, could, this voyage could likely right. cause their death. They right. signed up for this. They went, they were happy to go, you know, they are the modern-day billionaire explorers. They are literally, they were members of these billionaire boys club explorer groups that do things, you know, they climb the the highest mountains with paid Sherpas carrying all their things, and they, they go down to the Titanic and exploratory vehicles and things like this. And the Grandpa, coverage. Remember, yes, yes. Randy, Randy, you remember when the uh, the you remember when the wild, the Walmart guy and again he ain't the only one, but this is what this is what a lot of money do for you. You remember that Walmart guy that decided he was going to fly electrolyte airplanes? You know, you put it yes. together yourself. Yes. And fly. Yes. And he flew it to the ground. Uh, exactly. I, you know, exactly. you know, billion kind of thing here. Being a billionaire. Basically, you know, those folks like that, they, you know, they have to seek feeling. They've been, you know, I, I, I guess you go numb when you get that much money, I guess. But they go that's thrill seeking. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean, that sure is what it seems like. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so then, they be looking. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Right. Mm-hmm. Looking for the thrill. Well, but then you, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just, it, I just couldn't shake this feeling yeah. and then finally people started writing about it and I was like okay cool you know like I'm I can't stop thinking about this I know other people are thinking about this I know they are and then people started writing about it and I thought okay they really are and uh, right. so mm-hmm. you know what they're writing about they writing about who's going to pay for it now you just said they billionaires and now right. exactly now now the resources the resources spent just looking for them 
I mean, where does how many different countries taxpayers are paying for that? Yeah, let me say this. Well, well, I want to go ahead, Mr. Arthur. Go ahead. If me and you fell off the boat, they wouldn't come look for me and you, Rihanna. That's all I got to say. No way. No way. No way. Mm -hmm. And not only they they don't put out those resources for these other disasters. Please go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, the only thing I was going to say in regards to that is that there's no way with these guys being. Uh, having the amount of resources and funding that they have, that taxpayers in any of these countries should be uh, liable for that cost. And then the other thing I wanted to say that, I mean, how many people do you expect uh, that have already died down there? There was, what, over 2,000 people who mm-hmm. were in that ocean liner, right? And I think there was about 700 mm-hmm. and some people who actually I, – I, survive this and so mm-hmm. i would be listening to those people who actually survived this because we know that was in the early 1900s but still mm-hmm. that history is documented because uh, we all read <laughs> yes. and learned about it right and so yes. why on earth uh, would you even ask your son that's what was so heartbreaking for me is why would yes. you have it's okay if you wanted to decide to do that for yourself but your 19-year-old, right. what kind of Father's Day gift is that? Right. But go ahead. Well, it, go, go ahead. It, it's heartbreaking. Go ahead. It is billionaire mm-hmm. bonding, billionaire bonding. You, me, and you don't, me and you don't understand all that. That's billionaire bonding. Well, bonding. See, it's, it's, it, but it's not, yeah. to me, it's about human nature. It, it, it's not, move, remove the money because we know it had the money. But why, how could you, there's no way I would ask my 19-year-old son, I don't care how much money I had, it's not that they would go there for some, go ahead, Mr. And no, that's a billion-dollar man, so you come out what you would do. Now, what he did was he took his son down there and got him blowed up. Mm -hmm. I I understand. And I saw a clip of a guy, you know, the guy that owned the ship that wanted to do it. He was bragging about the fact that he hadn't got it checked on that on his own. I mean, he's bragging about it. And, and but here's the deal: I, I, I don't I decide what Father's Day gift that I want to give my father. My father right. doesn't say I want you to give me this Father's Day gift. Right. So right. it was it was just it was troubling for me. I mean, uh, go ahead, Dr. Carr. You may have some comments, and then you and Dr. Hagney may have some comments in regards to this. But it, it was just it was very upsetting for me. Uh, to mm-hmm. think about these mm-hmm. lives being useless loss. Uh, Dr. Carr, go ahead. I, I, uh, I listened to the news on yesterday to hear what Rihanna is alluding to. Uh, I didn't know that in the Mediterranean we had this global issue yeah. with the loss of these people's lives and deaths. Yeah. All the CNN yeah. coverage pointed us to the North Atlantic Ocean, the two and a half miles down, and the submersible and all the personalities. And to think uh, that it costs $250,000 to get a ticket. And I researched yeah. it today, looked it up on Google, and they tell me, uh, Google says, rather, there's a long, 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 long line of people who want to pay $250,000 and get on that submersible right. and go two miles down. So I'm, I'm like, y'all. What in this world would I want to make an adventure like that for unless, Mr. Fleming, I'm one of those billionaire people who thinks a different way 
and who feels yeah. that my son should give me a gift for yeah. Father's Day that I would desire him to give me instead of him making that choice. So it's a Absolutely. wacky situation, and it's cost a lot of yeah. human life. And that's oh that's what I that's what I see in this. Absolutely, hmm. and then there's over a thousand some people whose bodies have never been found. It's a catastrophic uh, loss. It's unreal. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Hagney, do you yeah. have any comments on that? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm put on two shows. I'm gonna put on my navy. I'm gonna put on my navy hat. Maybe. <laughs> but, but there you first, go. Well, let me, let me let me let me go with the navy deal first. Um, it, it was the navy who heard that explosion. But see, also we don't we don't uh, honor much uh, research anymore in old oceanography, healthcare, medicine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. America has lost his um, his power in recognizing and controlling research, uh, meaning that uh, they uh, they basically knew that the material that that boat was made out of would not stand in certain depth. Yeah. Yeah. Then what they could have, yeah. what they probably did, could have done, is stayed at the top and measured the pressure on that vehicle that it had mm-hmm. it defended, mm-hmm. and they could almost predict at what depth that absolutely was yeah. gone. And, yeah. they, and I'm up, they probably I'm I'm, I'm not going to say this. I'm just going to leave it there. The neighbor was the one that first heard the explosion when everybody was wondering what happened when everybody Coast Guard right. was looking for it. See, right. uh, there's a, in America history, well, not America, in the world, there's so much information I told to the young public. There's so much go on that doesn't, doesn't even reach the, the average individual or the average news. That's why when something like this happens, it's so shocking to people who are not, didn't know this was going on all along. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. when people have too much money, don't know what to do with it. That's a certain go. group. And then they, that's a different yeah. group. That's just like talking urban, rural, and rural communities of color. That's why I tell yeah. people, don't bring somebody from Atlanta, Dallas, or Washington, D.C. talking about our problem in East Texas. And that's the there same situation. When you have these people, these billions of dollars, they they in a world, particularly they like the plantation owner. They generated money off that lower, that lower group that don't mm-hmm. even understand what's going on, but that's where they're making their money from. That's where they're getting all those billion dollars because it's all about dollars when they get up to them because they control everything to get to them. Then they make up their minds what they want to do. They can waste it, whatever. But uh, that's what that's, that's the real world about the migration across the Atlantic and all those. I think that uh, everybody wants to get to America and everything, uh, European. That's sort of a follow-up. I think there are the educational components need to look at developing where they are. Uh, and not where they want to go. Where they want to go is not what they think it is. Where, where they want to go is produce what just occurred. Now let me put on my, my navy hat. While that you know uh, they they can measure they measure the uh, the pressure on the on the material. They knew they should have known when that material was going to break down and explode. So they could set and identify at, at what depth the explosion going to occur. And that's that's basically why they knew heard about the exposure. But back to all, um, that's why we are developing uh, what we call our task force, our ministerial alliance. It's time for people who are affected by all these systems to have to first of all get in get on informed and take a part in what affecting you. We learned we learned that with COVID, you can depend on other people to take care of you. We're at the point now you have to take care of yourself. 
and, and that back to the black churches, that book about plantation life. If you read, if you read that book, things that happen to us, a group of people, you can magnify that to the whole global issue. Uh, there is a discussion we're looking now. We had a cap- capability that the new museum that's being opened over there in South Carolina, where 40% of the blacks came in there. We can now try. There was a, there was slave auctions over there. There was a 600 body slave auction over there, and most blacks in Texas came out of those out of those auctions. We can now track mm-hmm. a person all the way back to that slavery. But see, that's what we have to start doing ourselves. We rely on other people to tell our story. Not only tell our story, we have to start writing our story, and also we got to control the results of our story. You know, there are people out there with Texas, and so we that's what we're not doing. And I was telling one, mm-hmm. for example, the mistake we made of trusting someone else to take care of our health after university. Look at look mm-hmm. look what happened. Yes. We we we, exactly. we look at our health stats. Our health stats mm-hmm. are where we because at and, and we thought somebody was going to take care of us when we left the plantation. Mm-hmm. They did not. Mm-hmm. Look where we are now. So we got to get the doctors and we got to get individuals in that out in the field our, back, back to our churches. We have to go back well, to our churches to reach the individual. All that training, yes. all I need is through the black yes. church. Yes. Well, uh, but, but Dr. Hagney just uh, said something that sparked my mind. We just uh, came off of the back of uh, Juneteenth uh, celebration. And so I remember reading some books where people would say, well, wh- what are we going to do now? Um, you know, they, they, they were not prepared to leave uh, that plantation. Uh, because they've been working for free for all of those years. So it's not like they had a bank account, right? It's not like they had resources. Uh, yes, some were given uh, sharecropping, uh, a little bit of that, but but many were not able to actually leave the, quote, unquote, the plantation that was run by the masters. Go ahead. Hey, 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 Shirley, here, uh, you know, right from North Delta said, and it just so happened, my next article, I'm talking okay. about that that very thing. And, ba- and, and basically, I'm putting forth a proposition that uh, that after that after this, after 1865, June 10th, <clears throat> whatever, uh, you know, we made great progress about 14 years. Then when the North pulled out, when the North pulled out, and left us and left us to the, you know, to the south's ways. Uh, 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 at that point, we became pro- proxy warriors. In other words, the north and the south, they they agreed upon white privilege at that moment. And ever since then, ever since then, you know, we've been like the you know we we like proxy we like proxy war. You know, like the north get behind us and say, hey, y'all ought to you know treat them better. In the south, they over there, what they doing? So we kind of a proxy war. We are proxy warriors, actually. And the civil war never ended. And 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 so what I'm talking about is, is uh, our power as proxy warriors, what we can do to help end the civil war. That, in my right. opinion. Right. So so let me ask this. Okay, I got you, uh, Mr. Arthur. Makes makes a lot of sense. I, I guess my question would be. Um, since it took two years uh, to get across Texas, I know Texas is large and all that to get down to us, but don't you find it to be very interesting that that it took two years for Texas to get that information, but everybody else got the information, 
And so I, do you think maybe that it was by design that no, 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 did not get back? Do I, I haven't finished. You have, oh, okay. okay. Go ahead, Ms. Arthur. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Well, we didn't talk about the inflammation because, yeah, just what you're saying. Yeah, they didn't. You know, they misinterpreted. They mistold everything. The Lincoln signed signed proclamation January one eight six three at Frederick Douglass right. to help you know recruit, you know with recruitment. Uh, it was right. only in effect in places where there wasn't no slavery. So nobody, mm-hmm. so nothing changed that day. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed that day. You know, and mm-hmm. then so and then and then the last battle that was fought. Uh, you know, we you know we think it was in like around April or May in 1865. The last official mm-hmm. battle was fought. Okay, mm-hmm. then when and then came again. Remember, you know, wasn't about free then. So when he came, he showed up with a bunch of black soldiers. So the black soldiers wanted to help it help implement, you know, the order. Mm-hmm. So basically, it, 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 and look here, and what I found out even after that. Uh, mm-hmm. June tenth, eighteen sixty seven. Those same black soldiers, along with along with the Mexicans, they went and fought against the French. You know, and their mm-hmm. black soldiers, right, from, right, which, you know, which you know, which came if we we know as Cinco de Mayo Day, right, right. So basically, right, you know, the last battle of the Civil War, because because people still were trying to uh, 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 you know hold the flank, you know, create, you know, create a slave state. And and, and and Texas was a place. That's where, you know, they all came down here. So the final battle, whether it's going to be slavery or not, actually was, actually it's what they call Cinco de Mayo Day. You know, and see, they don't even tell you about that. You know, you know, mm-hmm. the history behind Right. So, you, know, we we know, got, we know the history behind that. But, but, yes, so my point that I was making is that there was two more years of free uh, uh, labor, and it kind of angers you that that we know that that information could have been disseminated, mm-hmm. or we think it could be could have been disseminated much sooner than two years. But any mm-hmm. comments from any anybody, Doctor Hagney, oh, yeah. Doctor Carr? Well, you know, kind of, when, yeah. go ahead. When you look at the when you look at the whole uh, economy of America, mm-hmm. it was on the value of a slave. I mentioned that uh, that. That, that slave auction, auction over in South Carolina, they opened that new International Museum, or I think it's this week or next week. That time they had that, well, that 600 slaves were sold. And, of course, in that time, the richness of America was based upon the cost of a slave. And that was the economic power in America was, was, the, uh, was the, the slave. And so yeah. when you look across, and so the they, no one was excited about letting that's like giving money up. So, so to answer your it. question, I mean, why te- Texas still need to get the cotton in? Te- Texas still needed all those sharecroppers. They still needed people working free mm-hmm. off that land to generate the revenue. Yeah. It was all about money. It was money the reason why money. Texas wasn't excited. And it's still about money. That, to a certain extent, we, we got to look at the impact now. So it was all about money. Why they didn't tell us early on uh, about that? And they want you to finish picking the cotton, finish. Doing all you know, so they can still right. make that money because their money was from the crop. And see, and what we, you know, and then what we got support, we we came dependent on them. So uh, that that education, when someone mentioned earlier, we can have classes on Saturday morning. Where do we get to the point we thought we can only be educated in a close, in a in a school in a public school? You no. know, we have black churches. Sorry, we have black churches available. 
I was thinking about uh, Dr. Claude Anderson's work, and I may be wrong about this, but I think he mentioned in one of his uh, presentations that in 1860 uh, that there were manifold millionaires in Mississippi and mm-hmm. Arkansas, Tennessee, this whole region where I'm born and raised. Uh, King okay. Cotton, that, that was the name of the meat producing company in Memphis, Tennessee. Everything was everything was attached to cotton, and I grew up not mm-hmm. realizing that subconsciously I was being trained to see the uh, effects of slavery in the United mm-hmm. States because it was yeah. all about, as Dr. Hagney says, it was all about cotton, all about the mm-hmm. money. And uh, I was yeah. just home for a funeral Saturday, and we drove okay. up Highway Number Seventy. And I remember, as a boy, looking on both sides of that state highway, and there were not combine machines, but black people in those fields picking cotton. So it's all, it was about the money then, and it's still about the money now. To this day, and I want to jump in because I, I, because let me share with you guys that there are mixed emotions. I don't know about you. But as mixed emotions for me, yes, we grew up celebrating Juneteenth. We got new clothes. Uh, we had parties, uh, big barbecues out on our land. I mean, family was everywhere, 200-plus family members, offsprings, uh, grandparents and parents and, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren on down the line. It was a grip of us. Out there, there was one of the biggest celebrations of the year. It was our, as a matter of fact, it's in the black communities, as all of you know, it was larger than July 4th, uh, I'd say. And so, so because our our ancestors continued to work for free for two years, it's a mixed emotion. Yes, it's a celebration that they were free, but it's also a sadness that they still were taken advantage of for two more years and beyond, really. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I say, go, go ahead, Mr. Arthur. Beyond, yeah, yeah. You can't just be talking about them two years, Shirley. After that, remember, they I, came up with the, with, the, with the slave code, you know, the black codes. Where, what, did you do, what did you just hear me say, two years and beyond? Uh-huh, that's and what I'm beyond. saying. What, okay. Yeah, what it's going to change to complex line, right, where they start, you know, that whole free labor thing, uh, you know, where, you know, somebody's wife just roll up on you, and the next thing you know, you know, you're a vagrant, now you work for free. So, you know, because, right. because slavery is still in the Constitution, it's still in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, another another point need to be, we we always leave the education component behind. <clears throat> we are per, we are excellent for celebrating, but we leave the celebration with a little information. Uh, for example, do, do, we ever, do we realize now that only 4% of farmers in America are black? Yes, we do know that. If you look stop, at the birth certificate of probably, just one minute, Ms. Arthur, if you look at the birth certificate of every black person on this line, probably their parents or their father in particular, that occupation was what? Let me hear it from no, you guys. For farmers, no, they were farmers. No, they owned li- Right. Well, yep. Go ahead, Mr. Right. Parker. All right. I'm just saying that I know that form, so no, I ain't got to go look at nobody. I did it. No, no, I, but I'm, what I'm saying to you 
is Dr. Hagney says only about 4% today of people who are farmers. And I'm saying to you, all the black people almost back in the day owned land and their occupation was farmer. My grandfather, farmer, my father, farmer or businessman, uh, entrepreneurs. That's what was on the birth certificates of probably uh, Dr. Carr, Dr. Dr. Hagley, yep. uh, Mr. Arthur, mm-hmm. Shirley McKellar, all of mm-hmm. us can probably yep. say that our that on our birth certificates, our father's occupation was. So why is that? That and and, and we can take it back to the point of stealing land, uh, adding mm-hmm. taxes to it, and then not mm-hmm. allowing people the opportunity to pay their taxes, or adding right. extra taxes and fixing it so that mm-hmm. they could not pay their taxes, and so therefore, mm-hmm. consequently, the land was stolen. Is all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. A subject for oh, research. Dr. alluded to. Dr. A subject for research. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, and Dr. Yeah. Hagney, I'm, I'm, let me let me say this, and Miss Rihanna can attest to this. When I ran for Congress. My main mantra was education is the key. Miss Rihanna can tell yep. you that. And I ran on that and used it continuously because you're absolutely correct. We cannot leave out the education piece. Go ahead, Dr. Mm-hmm. Another component I mentioned, <clears throat> you realize there was a slave uh, uh, census, slave narrative, or there was a slave um, census. That's what's called slave census. You can pull it even down by the county. If you look at that state census, you will see the plantation and list the individual slaves that uh, that he owned. And by those, of course, they had only the last names because they named us anyway. But what was what was interesting that question: how, why, how, why did the black population continue increasing after the international slave law was enacted? You look at that slave census and look at that white person and the number of slaves that he had, look to the right and you'll see black or you see M. People early on thought that M stood for Mexican. That M stood for mulatto. And oh, that wow. what and so when you look I didn't at the know population that. increase and when you look at this white slave owner and he's keeping fourteen, fifteen year old black girls. Yes. The person why was he keeping those girls? But if you look at those mm-hmm. young mulatto, and that's a part mm-hmm. of our history, people don't know that normally increased because the, the point was the relationship between the plantation owner and the black females. And the black females. Absolutely. And the young Absolutely. black females. And that, see, that's part of that educational history is not being told, and individuals don't want mm-hmm. to tell that history. But we have to, because I mentioned that 600 slave auction, all well, the slave purchase. Look and see well, how many well, well, we got a woke bus down. We got a woke bus down in Florida now. Well, well, I, I think <laughs> I think we should have known because because we have to look at Miss Miss Rihanna and look at some of the people that in our families that look like Miss Rihanna. Miss mm-hmm. Rihanna is our is my Caucasian child, but I have grandchildren that look like Miss Rihanna. They have blue eyes mm-hmm. and they have green eyes mm-hmm. and they have gray eyes. And then my my grandmother on my my paternal side uh, had blonde headed. As a matter of fact, my hair is blonde. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. so we have a mixture of everything, 
And it's because of just what Mr. Arthur is telling us tonight. Mm-hmm. I met Go my ahead, cousin. Arthur. I met my cousin with blue eyes. He got blue. He had blue. He got blue eyes, and he got and he got uh, you know he got the cat hair. I, I was wondering my cat hair. But anyway, he got the cat hair. My grandfather. Uh, you know, I see where the white guy part kind of you know, come from now. And I'm going, yeah, and yeah, yeah. You you're right. I mean, we got some. We got everything. Some of everything. We got, we got, that's that's why you hear people say that the African-American community is a bouquet of colors because we have mm-hmm. every color there is to have, period. And and I, I never heard, uh, I've heard cat eyes, but I've never heard cat hair. So my grandmother <laughs> used to call me as a, a that's on yeah. my maternal side, uh, uh, I, Sandy Head. And, and Sandy, they would say, your hair, look, your hair look like sand. It looks like <laughs> Well, I got my and that, that didn't make me happy as a youngster growing up. That's why I used to put dye on it. But, but I my students to, to understand. My <laughs> Go ahead. I got it. You know, Miss Flem, you got cat hair. <laughs> Thank you. Never heard that before. Never heard it before. Yeah. But go well, ahead. I didn't need it until they told me. Okay, thank you. And then I looked at Cat's hair, and I thought, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, pretty good. But, yeah, I just thought, I didn't mean to throw a monkey wrench into our conversation, but when Mr. Arthur uh, said something or someone that reminded me of Juneteenth, uh, then, or was it Dr. Hagney, then I just thought I'd throw that in there because there's always been a discussion. Go ahead. Get some good news, though. Get some good news. The, uh, the 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 uh, the of course you know after the uh, uh, section two got you got upheld by the four in the Supreme Court uh, uh, Louisiana today the court in Louisiana now they got to add another seat in Louisiana so I want to see what's going to happen when they get to Texas you know we got the we got pretty much the same law you know see seven extra seats we'll get here so, uh, so that's really a big deal y'all that section two being upheld. So now we need to just go to work and, and uh, you know do the organizing. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So uh, I think we dealt with that, Miss Rihanna. It really educated us well on the uh, Titanic and all of that. Uh, what was the other thing that we wanted to talk about on tonight's show? Uh, I I did throw in uh, the, the two things that I can tell you that we're seeing a lot of in. And, and we'll talk about it. Maybe we don't have to get into it tonight, but that is uh, the storms that we're experiencing and the climate change all across America. And uh, so some people don't believe in that climate change, but it's real. And then <clears throat> the, uh, the violence and racism that we're experiencing in our country just seems to continue on and on and on and on. But, um, but I think that I can't remember what all I have on our list tonight, so uh, let me let me pull it up. Go ahead, go ahead. It had six yeah. components: Titanic, uh, elections past and present, yeah. uh, rules okay. for judges. Uh, oh yeah, Biden let's, let's by all means. Mental illness yeah. and the indicted president. Those were Thank the you. Let's let's talk areas. a little bit. Okay, well let's dialogue a little bit about uh, about the ethics rules for uh, judges. In this country, we know that we'd already heard about uh, we'd heard about uh, Clarence Thomas, and now we're hearing about Alito. And so yeah. let's 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 talk a little bit 
about that. Now we know we know unequivocally there's there's ethics rules for in the me, in the medical profession. Dr. Hagner can tell you that. Uh, I can tell you that. Then then there's uh, ethics rules for. I can even tell you for elected officials. The first thing that that I got when I ran for Congress, the first thing they sent me was the book on ethics. And then when I ran for council, the same thing, the book on ethics. So mm. elected officials have, have rules on ethics. So are you going to tell me then that, uh, and then I'm going to hand it over to you guys, you're going to tell me that our Supreme Court judges don't have rules that they have to comply with? And I'll start with you, Miss Rihanna. And then we can do a round robin. She said she had to put calls in the day right quick. Oh, that. yes, that's right. Okay, so Mr. Arthur, we'll go to you then. Go ahead. Well, of course, now you know that uh, they've been revealed. We, 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 this is revelation. So now they're all being revealed. Uh, now, 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 you know, the most hateful one was the fat Clarence Thomas, Alito. You know, now he, you know, he didn't got caught doing the same thing. He said the reason that he got in that got that seat on that plane because it was just going to be empty if he hadn't got in it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make sense, does it? So go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want the airline to go let me sit in one of their empty seats. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Go ahead. Like continue. But no, but the bottom line of it is, and, and I wrote about it, uh, the last 20 years, this has been a, 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 a thing, a plan to pull off the court. And see, when you make money, when you make money, uh, uh, you know, uh, money in speech, you give make corporation people, and you make money speech, then, you know, that's what we got now. And so they use just that to set this whole system. And I, and I broke it down. Basically what they do is they uh, he, got, he got a whole bunch of front mailbox companies, I mean literally mailboxes, and then – you know, pretend they grassroots or whatever, and then they put whatever issue it is with them, like in our case, getting rid of our voting rights. Uh, and then when they go to the court, they uh, do a, what they call amethyst grief, friend of the court, and submit it, okay? And then so they, you know, come through the back door, through that shadow docket thing. I mean, they got a whole program, come through that whole thing, through the back door. Next thing you know, it's before the court, and they voting on it. In the meantime... You know, they down here taking trips and hunting bears and eating tuna or whatever they're doing, you know, with the, you know, with all these rich people. And then hanging out in North <laughs> Dallas, hanging out in North Dallas, you know, in a in the Garden of Evil. Man. <laughs> yeah. So we, know, so we know, Miss Arthur, yes, we know that, that one of your big guys up there in Dallas, Texas, the Crow, uh, Trumbull Crow <laughs> family, uh, Harlan Crow to be exact, uh, well, 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 I, 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 Who do you call him? I, I call him Jim. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we know that that's a good friend of of uh, Clarence Thomas, and so mm-hmm. um, so we'll we'll take it from there. Dr. Carr, do you have any comments in regards to this? I'm sure that we all have been keeping up with what is going on with with the. Uh, the judges, and so they're telling us they have the humiliated gall to tell us that they have no ethical rules and regulations when we know that everybody across this nation in every profession almost has rules and regulations regarding ethics. Go ahead. 
I think when we look at the string of uh, officers who served on the Supreme Court and start calling the roll, and you start looking at uh, Judge Thomas uh, and the most recent, well, one of the more recent ones, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, I watched that thing religiously from front to back. When we look at the behavior of these human beings who sit and in some sense hold our lives and futures in their hands, it is so it is so undeniably true that if there was ever a code of ethics that ought to be put in place and followed, it certainly ought to be not only in the pulpit for the black preacher, but it certainly ought to be for the Supreme Court leaders because of men like Amen. Roger Tent and the Dred Scott Amen. case and because of Clarence Thomas and the Anita Hill case and because of the Kavanaugh yeah. case. And I'm sure there are, uh, Dr. Hadney, uh, skeletons in other folks' closets that are still in the <laughs> closet. So sure, ethics sure, is sure. the word of the day, and I think that definitely <laughs> should be a strict adherence to some uh, ethic policy for every discipline. Absolutely, and you said that so beautifully. And so let me just tell you that I listened to every single day of Anita Hill's testimony, and I believed it from the beginning. And it angered me greatly because there are so many women who have dealt with this issue in the the workplace, uh, in the church house, uh, everywhere, on Main Street, uh, everywhere they've dealt with it. And so mm-hmm. for them, uh, for this country to have ignored, uh, amazing. But I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to you gentlemen because I want to hear what you have to say. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Hagney. You know, this uh, this will remind me that we're in America. <laughs> if, you <look laughs> back, wow. if you look back at our history, uh, yes, when, when they, even before they landed here and occurred after what we landed here, uh, major universities and everything that this country was built off our back. Yes. Uh, nobody had any concerns about that. Nobody spoke about that. When in, in uh, when uh, the all occurred in the cotton fields with our black females, uh, and then when the Native Americans and the money's in there, and someone say, uh, of course, I'm not surprised by when you write the when you write the laws. I mean, gee whiz, you wrote the laws. And yeah. so, and, uh, and someone said in America, the laws and everything for people who who don't know, people <laughs> who know America, they don't live by laws. We we, we wow. just talked about that with these millionaires spending money going down. Who controlled that? Who allowed that? No one said anything because he got a billionaires. And so in America, if you if you're in the right position, you don't have to worry about that. There's people who are at, at the bottom worry about laws. The laws are to be protecting them, but it really is all about the money. If you talk about both of these gentlemen, what was it? It was money. Right. If I had the money, they would, American Airlines give me up the seat if I had my money. They knew I got on board. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about the name, it's about the money. And they the know money. when you come up how much money you have. That's in America. You okay, that's that's know who power, has the money. power and influence, right? Power and, and influence. influence. Go ahead. Yes, and we get excited about American celebration and everything. Juneteenth and everything is all about power and money. I don't care where you are, yeah. health care, political system, economic system. Uh, I just tell everybody, we're, in, we're back in America. We're in, you, you, I just confirm you're in America. 
And I always tell people to judge America internationally and everything, whatever it does, look at the relationship with, with Haiti. Mm-hmm. Understand why 90 miles, 90 minutes from America, you had the poorest a nation in the world. Why does that exist? But then when you, if you understand your history, you know why it exists, because no one want to give credit to for blacks over, overthrowing a white power. Absolutely. That's the bottom Absolutely. line. That's the bottom Absolutely. line. Nothing else. So and then you have all these people we elected and all this kind of stuff. Why do you allow Haiti to be over there going through what they're going I saw some pictures of some kids in a classroom, how they studied and what they have to eat and all that. You know, why we allow that? You know, see, when, we, when you look at that and from 90 miles from America, it doesn't make any difference how you draw the lines in all these states. Because it's the money and everything. It's not about the lines. It's not about who votes. It's about the money. And, of course, right. Haiti didn't have the money. But, the, you know, I, I was reading something. Haiti been paying France back for respiration all these years. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That, back, to the, back to the education. How many of us black in America know that Haiti has been paying restoration to France because the property, when those blacks overthrew them, chased them out of Haiti. So they have been paying restoration money to the French government, who, which is what, one of our allies? I didn't know it. NATO, one of our allies, NATO, and we go into all these meetings okay. with them. Why didn't somebody say, why are you still charging Haitians for restoration? Plantation. It was plantation yeah. that used our people on, on, on there to make money off. So if you move that over to America, discussion is what about what about the slaves that were slaves in this country? I know Sheila and others have been talking about it, which would have never happened in this country. But who are talking about all we helped build this country? I thought, and so who are talking about repaying? That was a discussion about this land that was taken, I think, off one island in Florida. Was black, blacks had that island. But it was taken from them. And I think they're in the mm-hmm. process now and trying to get restoration for their property mm-hmm. back. Thankful there was a company that was a, out in California, I think it was off Long Beach or something like that. One of those, they did give that back to the black family. I don't know if you were of that. But see, that you, you have to look at America from from the truth and facts, not what someone say or somebody's personal feeling. Yeah. But just look at the facts. And that's why we need to we need to control our data. Yeah. So, uh, we need that. All across the board, we need to control our data. We need to Absolutely. control our, and we and we need to manage it. We can't we can't listen to national news and all these all that. You know that's we need to write our own stories, like the book you you wrote. We need to write our own book. We need to tell our story, and we're gonna write this book on the black midwives. Because if you look at American history, very little has been mentioned about black midwives. These ladies uh-huh. and also people talking about voting and registration. They realize those black midwives in those cotton fields wrote those baby names on those cotton sacks, whatever flower sacks they had, and they turned that into the county. And that's how a lot of us got our name. And if that county person, that county didn't want to record that cotton sack with those black baby names, right. he threw it away. Right, right. So those in the league. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, don't let me. I'm, 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 I'm going. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's great. No, that, that, that's great, Dr. Hagner, because let me just tell you this. If you look at the bulk of the birth certificates of black folk in this country that were, that were born, uh, say, pre-1964, uh, 
they their birth certificates are not going to be correct. On my birth certificate, my father's name was my mother's name. My mother's name was my father's name. My name was spelled incorrectly according to what my parents wrote into the Bible, and we had to spend time on correcting those because, first of all, it was days after they – it didn't happen immediately like it does. And when I, when I was running a hospital, and, and as soon as the baby was born, the birth certificate was done immediately with everything done, mm-hmm. the complete spelling of the name correctly, and we had to go over that with the mom to make sure. And so – but now with the new doulas, the black doulas coming back on the scene again, I think that it, it's going to be a whole entirely new uh, structure and story of how we can track what is going on in our country as far as black births and all of those things, and, and just our black history, period. Because one thing that I want to say, and I want everybody to understand this, and I say it all the time, is black history is American history, period. Absolutely. And it should be told by people who live it and know it. And as Dr. Hagney has said, it should be written by a black person. Go ahead, Jen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, you mentioned that. You mentioned that delay of getting that information to the county courthouse. You you exactly right because it took up the weeks because we didn't go to downtown like we do every day now. You know they still they cut, so they, those names would turn in much later than after the birth. You know mm. when they go back to town when they travel to town. So all those factors are weighed into uh, the accuracy of that information. Absolutely, absolutely. You know Dr. what, Dr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Yes, go ahead, Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. Uh, you know about us. You know, uh, 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 you know, writing our history. Uh, you know, not, my family uh, on the little Egypt side here in Dallas, we're embarking upon that very thing because that would happen to uh, that would happen to our little Egypt town. Uh, right. the, you know, the city powers, you know, didn't put running water and all that stuff out there, and eventually. They made it, they they forced everybody to spell out like in 1962. So that's when the last you know last part of town was uh, there. So yes, yeah, so we're embarking on that now. I'm looking at I'm looking at different uh, 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 situations around the state where people are doing that because uh, there is a law that covers that. So uh, so for anybody out there that's, that that uh, you know you're in a situation like that, stuff was, was taken from you. If you can show the deed, like the deed that he just said that. That we would own the property forever and ever. That's basically what it's. I mean, I mean, literally said that. But you know, they didn't. You know, they didn't. You know, they didn't. Uh, you know, they didn't honor the deed. The, the you know, or any of that. So, uh, so yes, that's one of the fights I'm on. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, having y'all up when we have some of the programs. We introduce a little Egypt back to Dallas. <laughs> Very good. And, and we and we commend you, uh, uh, Mr. Arthur and your family for the great work that you're doing in putting uh, putting your family history all back together again. Go ahead, one of you gentlemen. Go ahead. No, Dr. Hagen, I am, uh, I'm hoping that when we uh, release on the program that we can exchange email information because uh, you're a source that's so rich. I'm going to really need a lot of uh, information from you uh, going forward. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear you explain these complex issues in such down-to-earth ways, and you kept coming back to the black church. And with me being a church pastor, preacher, leader, I mean, it's right up my alley. So tonight uh, has been 
very, very significant for me, and I'm going to look forward to gaining more traction, more ground. And as Mr. Arthur said before, as well as Ms. Shirley, let's take this across the South, because here in South yes. Arkansas, this discussion yes. is so, so vitally needed. So let's let's yes. get this across the South, uh, and I'll feel like my energy uh, as a human being is worthwhile if I can get this coming this way. This is just rich, and we need it so desperately over here where we are. We need it desperately. Well, let's put up some Shirley. Hey, hey Shirley, uh, doc, uh, well, uh, doctors. I'll just say doctors. I got all that. That's comical. We just set up, let's set up that program where we can, uh, you know, roll out, you know, uh, uh, Freedom Riders 2.0 where, where, where folks can, you know, understand what, you know, what they can do right now. Because, like I say, I like to see it rolled out next summer. Next time we need okay. to be very, very good. Be very rolling. good, Miss Arthur. Very good. And so, so what I want to say, we're almost to get to an end. Boy, I tell you, this has been an amazing, compact two hours. Uh, it's nine fifty-two at this time, so we're getting ready to wrap it up. But what I wanted to let you gentlemen know uh, that let's see, next, let me see. Now I'm getting my dates. July the fourth. Which, what day of the week is that on? I can't remember which day of the week it's, that is it's on. on a Tuesday. It's on a Tuesday. It's, I believe it's, Tuesday. Right. Mm-hmm. it's on a Tuesday. So mm-hmm. I'm going to fly out to uh, California. I wanted to share this with you all. I, I, I didn't see this coming, and so it's, it's, been, uh, it's going to be an amazing opportunity for me. But the, um, the top ladies of the International Top Ladies of Distinction uh, is having their synod, which is their national convention that's going to be at the Staples Center there in Los Angeles. And they reached mm. out to me and asked me if I would interview the past president and the incoming president at the Staples Center. So I'm excited about that. Uh, wow. Look forward to that. But while that's I'm there in me. Los Angeles, but let me share another little piece with you. While I'm there, I will be interviewed on the Stevie Wonder radio station as well as KTLA, which is the television station. Oh, well, no, not really. <laughs> but it, it was quite an honor. The young lady who's going to be interviewing me is a uh, former member of the Top Teams of America and so she is now on on KTLA uh, television, and so uh, so she set this all up for me to be interviewed. So I was humbled by that, and really looking forward to um, to being there in LA at the Staples Center. Uh, yeah, that's pretty big uh, to to be able to be there among all those wonderful, amazing Black women. Uh, and I don't know if if you all know this, Dr. Hagney does, I'm sure, is that the uh, the uh, Top Ladies of Distinction was started right here in Tyler, Texas. Uh, the Rose City chapter is the chapter where I'm a member. Yes. And so and the way it started, uh, Dr. Carl, will give you a little bit of backstory and and you as well, uh, uh, Mr. Arthur, just in case you don't remember, but. Um, President Lyndon Baines Johnson was in office, and his wife, Lucy, Lucy mm-hmm. Bird, 
I reached out to speaking of HBCUs, reached out yes. to uh, yes to to uh, the Texas College. Uh, and reached out to Mrs. Glass and Mrs. Matlock. Yes. Mrs. Glass was mm. the wife of uh, President oh. Glass at that particular mm-hmm. time, and said mm. she wanted the black women of Texas to be more involved in philanthropy. She wanted them to be, be yep. more involved in just community social life. So she invited mm-hmm. them to come to Washington, D.C., and from that spun off, top ladies of distinction. My children were top mm-hmm. teams of America, and I still am a mm. top uh, lady of distinction. Oh, and that yeah. was all yes. started in 1965. So lots oh, wow. of things happened in 1965 and 64 from, and 65. So, uh, from East so I'm, I'm honored. Yes, right from <laughs> East, East Texas. Texas. <laughs> right from East Texas. So see, even, even <laughs> Lyndon Baines Johnson recognized how important East Texas is in Texas, Absolutely. right, gentlemen? That's right. That's right. You know, they had property over there in Cognac. There you go. That's where she was born. She hailed from that's Marshall. To, she, as a matter of fact, she would fly into uh, to Marshall, and they take her down to Cognac, and then she'd spend the day, and they put her on the airplane and fly back, right back on out of here, back to uh, Washington, yep. D.C. She never forgot. <laughs> East Texas unknown history. and her home unknown town. And untold history. They, told, that's, why we have to, that's why we have to document our own, right? We have to write it yes. in a book, put that's it down yes. so that people will yes. know. And, 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 and let me just say this, and I'm going to turn it over to you guys to have your final comments. We have rich history, and don't ever forget it. So African-American history is rich history, and it is American mm-hmm. history. Okay, uh, so, uh, so Dr. Carr, your, your final comments for the evening, quickly. My final comments are, we have come to a place in this movement that I feel will become national in scope and in impact. And thank God that I live to become connected to people who can move things. My hat's off to each of you, and I'm very happy to be associated with this movement. Those are my final comments for Outstanding, outstanding. outstanding. Dr. Hagney, quickly. Excellent. I would just say it's a blessing to do that with family members. I'm, I'm enjoying sure. Just thank you. Sure. And as sure. we move forward, mm-hmm. uh, thanks for the family. Sure. God bless all of you. Very good. Mr. Uh, Mr. Arthur, quickly. You know, that, that, Dr., it's so, good, it's so good to hear you back again. Uh, you know, yeah. I, actually, I, even though I had the latest hour to myself for the most part, uh, I need or something. I can't do it now without you being here. He should be showing up. Uh, but anyway, bring uh, two point oh. Uh, you know that's what we're going to do. And so basically, you know, we're going to recreate freedom rise, but we're going to make it into a uh, uh, you know with infrastructure and and some forward thinking. So I'm looking forward to working with everybody. And so uh, I'm sure we're going to have something there in Tyler at some point. Uh, Very soon. To, uh, As a matter of fact, yeah. throughout East Texas, uh, and we thank Mr. Arthur for his 2.0, and we're going to put uh, buses together, and we're going to go throughout East Texas, and we're going to make sure that we get people registered to vote, and vote, and not just register, but get to the polls and vote, because this election, 2024, is going to be a serious matter 
and we want to make sure that we jump in there and make it happen. So with that being said, that's my final comments, and I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Brianna, and she's going to take us out. Stick around, gentlemen, and thank you so much. You are an amazing team, and I love working with you. Ms. Brianna. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone. Pleasure being back with all of you. Good night, good night. It's a pleasure good to have Ms. Diana back. Let me tell you, she this show is <laughs> yeah. not the same without her. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank Go ahead. Good, good night, night everybody. Good night. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won. We will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no, glory, glory, oh, glory, glory, hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Formed against, yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up When it goes down, we woman and man up They say stay down and we stand up Shots, we on the ground, the camera panned up King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up One day, when the glory comes It will be out, it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. Glory, glory, oh. woman and child even jesus got his crown in front of a crowd they march with the torch we gonna run with it now never look back we done gone hundreds of miles from dark roads heroes to become a hero facing the league of justice his power was the people enemy is lethal a king became regal saw the face of jim crow under a bald ego the biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing, our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, when the glory comes It will be ours it will be
night. See you next Monday. Bye for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.